have you had this? About uh, three days. It has been 400 years since its last reincarnation. Any pain? It kind of moves sometimes. What's your diagnosis? Anna Richie Salatu. For years, man has turned his back on the supernatural. Mrs. Hurst! I'd almost describe it. Uh, Some will deny it. As a fetus. Others will fear it. On her neck? One woman will give birth to it. Uh. The Manitou. The Manitou. Starring Tony Curtis. On a supernatural journey into the world of avenging spirits. Michael Ansara. What does a white man want with Indian magic? A modern American Indian thrust into a savage struggle with unspeakable taboos. Susan Strasberg. People tormented by terror. Threatened by the unknown. Trapped by an ancient horror. The Manitou. evil that never dies. It just waits to be reborn. Oh gosh, what does it say? You know what you did last time. <laughs> Who could have possibly done that? I know. <laughs> but since they've brought it up, it's our one year anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Wow. <laughs> Why are you laughing? We should be terrified. I, I am terrified. Man, There's that was a such note. a long con. That's There's good. a note. Uh, the paper is rounded slightly <laughs> on one corner. It says, I know what you did last year. The note is underlined. Oh. Yes, yeah, so this is, it's been one year doing this. How do you feel about that? Do you think they're talking about me <laughs> shifting around my investment ratios in my 401k? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I'm fine with that. One year. <laughs> one year. Yeah. Uh, I feel great. I feel good. good. I feel happy i'm surprised fine. we made it to one year i know i give up on almost everything that i, I know, do me as well i think we even said that around the 10th episode yeah yeah and i'm glad that we picked this movie not only is it our 50th episode it is our one year anniversary and we have chosen one of the worst movies we've done so far but one of the most ridiculous so at least certainly it's kind of fun it was ridiculous we had seen this once before um, it's on Shutter. That's how we watched it again today mm -hmm. because we were unable to find it anywhere. I um, wonder why. <laughs> but I'm glad that we watched it two times. Uh, just as crazy and uh, didn't make any sense the second time either, really. A and I was sober this time, I think. Probably at least 100% too much brown face as well. Yes. At least three instances. Four, technically four, I guess. Oh, really? Yeah. I only looked up the one guy. The other guy obviously was an awful prosthetic. The, the little person? Yeah. Yeah. The, it was actually two little people. So that's why I'm, I'm saying it's oh. four. Uh, the other one being Amelia, who I think was supposed to be some sort of Roma person. Oh, yikes. So she is like... Blonde. She basically looks exactly like Marilyn Monroe. Like she was blonde and everything in like Yikes. 50s movies and stuff. Yeah. And for some reason, they colored her hair brown and gave her the darkest foundation they could possibly find in this movie. Hey, 1978. What the fuck? <laughs> it was so commonplace back then. Though, it really right? was. Like, it was rare, if at all, that you would see a Native American person um playing a native american it was almost mm -hmm. always some like a mexican or 
in this in this case a Syrian guy. Yeah, like so as, you could play any. I feel like it was honestly only in the past couple of years when that started to be like a thing. Because I mean, even on like twenty four, you had like I'm Italian, but I'm tan enough where I'm Arabic. Did <laughs> Cal Penn play like a terrorist? I don't know. I I'm think pretty so. sure batteries not included i'm pretty sure oh 100 yeah. percent fisher stevens wild stuff the guy who played monk was mm. in something as a cab driver yep i'm trying to go through my there's way too many brown face way too many. It, like yeah. all the time in pretty much every western yeah that's ever true made, yeah, so definitely but before we totally jump in here we did see climax this week Gaspar oh, we Noé's did. Climax. Yeah, we, I forgot yeah. that we saw that. Uh, I was not a fan of it. I had a lot of problems with it. I don't want to talk about them too much. It was pretty um, racist. It was pretty <laughs> racist. Visually looked very nice, but I did not care for it at all. I always love brutality in movies. Uh, this was weird in the terms that it sort of came out of nowhere. I also don't think people get violent on an LSD. I'm not sure. I've never done it. <laughs> I would say resounding, almost certainly not. Uh, I mean, granted, they weren't expected to be dosed, but it was pretty annoying. It was. Yeah. But in terms of like the, like you said, the visuals, the camera work, all that stuff, it was like a dirge visually. And the other thing that I really like about his work, because I've seen a lot of his movies, is the way that he incorporates screaming or anything like that, like organic noise in mm -hmm. with the the soundtrack. It's really effective. And those sweeping long takes, very spectral. It did have like a lot of one. Yeah. So I appreciate those about it. Uh, if I watched it with them all speaking French and no subtitles, I think I would have liked it a lot more. <laughs> So that's Climax. But um, boom <laughs> Other than that, I don't think we really have very much to talk about, so I guess we can just talk about The Manitou. Yeah. 1977, 78. And boy, does it show. <laughs> written and directed by William Girdler, based on a novel by someone whose name I did not look up. And that's fine. Apparently it's very faithful to the novel, though. And the author of the novel really liked the, the movie. Uh, unfortunately, I can really see that. It reminded me like of a crappy Dean Koontz novel brought <laughs> to life. Like a really bad one. Stars Tony Curtis, a.k.a. Jamie Lee Curtis's father, as Whoa. Harry. What? Yeah. Okay, interesting. These <laughs> movies always startle me when shit like that happens. Susan Strasberg as Karen. She's, of course, the daughter of famous lee strasberg of the lee strasberg acting school ha all of these people came together to make this terrible movie <laughs> michael ansara is john and he was in i dream of genie he was married to barbara eden mm -hmm. uh he often played native american actors or characters despite being syrian lebanese and stella stevens as amelia and there you go. Yeah. So the credits are nuts, and they are very long. Yes. And uh, quite the mishmash. There's masks and artwork of indigenous cultures from throughout North America, from the Aztecs to West Coast, like totem poles to yeah. Iroquois. It's not, I don't know anything about it, but I know enough to know that it's a real... It was indeed Hodge quite Hodge. the smorgasbord, if you will. We also got this uh, vanity card for Studio Canal before it started, mm. which was like the sounds of like farting and tweeting birds <laughs> over a blue sky. Very bizarre. It was. But that would have been newly added. Yeah, I know. For the, the release it's or still whatever. Still bizarre. <laughs> so after the credits, we immediately learn about a 28-year-old woman with a tumor that's growing super fast. We have two doctors. Uh, who are they? McAvoy and the one guy, his name is Jack. Jack Hughes, yeah. for sure. Um, and this tumor, it's growing fast. Super man. fast, and there's something weird about it. They're looking at scary x-rays. 
They go out into the waiting room and they meet the lady who these x-rays belong to. And it's Karen. And in no universe is Susan Strasberg 28 years old. (laughs) She's born in 1938. So she would have been 39. Yeah. So, I mean, two, just subtract one from each number. Yeah. Yeah, There you go. Uh, she is wearing a beautiful blouse, one of those ones that has a scarf built into it that you can tie into various bows and ribbons and stuff. They talk about the growth. She shows it to them. It's like uh, a tennis ball. It's apparently grown a lot in the three days since she's had it, and it doesn't hurt, but she can feel it moving sometimes. Ooh. You know, like when you're trying to get comfortable in bed. So basically a baby. Yeah. They go off, the two doctors, to talk and... Jack notices the birth chart he happens to have hanging in his office. This giant wall-sized chart. And says that it, whatever's growing in there looks just like the fetus that showed up on the x-rays. Uh, totally normal. They're wearing normal, you know, uh, piss-yellow lab coats, mm-hmm. like most doctors do, really put me at ease. Maybe they did in 1977. Maybe they did. But let me just tell you, 1977, I disagree <laughs> with that choice. Cut to our main character, Mr. Tony Curtis, Harry Erskine, giving a psychic reading to an older woman, and he's being super specific about the day she'll have gas, Mm -hmm. and... Something's going to fall on her foot on Monday. I see an accident. Nothing serious, just an accident. Some heavy object will probably fall upon your foot. Pain. It's the other Anguish. Tuesday... That's my bridge day. Someone will cheat you. No! Wednesday seems rather intriguing. I, uh, I see or hear a rather peculiar phone call. Uh, probably obscene. Oh, heaven. That's rather interesting. Thursday gas, indigestion, probably something that you're going to eat. Oh, no. Well, all in all, not a good week, but you must remember, Mrs. Winconis, that in trial there is patience, in tears, resolution, in heartache, wisdom, and in joy, charity. She's getting an obscene phone call on Wednesday. He wears this crazy wizard's jacket. It's exactly what I With a bunch of runes and zodiac signs Mm -hmm. on it. Um, She gets a little too flirty. I don't know what the hell is going on there. And so he rushes her out. And as he's giving her a mantra, Mm -hmm. his neighbor watches from across the hall. And she gives him the, the what for. But... He also gives it back to her, so they're both psychics or tarot readers. It's bizarre. So it's weird that they live in the same building, but I guess it would make sense. Birds of a feather, I suppose. Uh, Did you hear what the mantra was? I can't remember now. It was... Guard well the pips and the fruit will grow or something like that, which I feel like bears meaning on the tumor growth on her neck oh for yeah. sure because he's a pip and comes back <laughs> my mystic motto your mystic motto oh of course the yes. mystic motto yes the mystic motto shall be god well the pips and the fruit shall grow without let oh that's beautiful god well the pips and the fruit shall grow without let Oh, it's so beautiful. Beautiful. I'll say it every morning when I wake up. Yes, please. (laughs) He goes back into his apartment, and now it's his time to unwind. He turns on his cool, funky music. (laughs) Cracks a beer, takes off his cloak. And I have no idea how old he's supposed to be. If Karen is supposed to be 28, he could potentially be... I don't know, supposed to be 30 to 45, but he's actually like 50-something. Yeah. It's very unclear. But I guess huge generational differences in relationships were 
like common, common back then. His apartment is wild. He's got a old gas pump that's been turned into a fish tank. Uh, he has a like a dentist chair or something that he sits in, and he's also drinking this beer out of a wine glass for no discernible reason. Very fancy. Yeah. He's eccentric. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? As soon as he takes his seat, the phone starts ringing, and mm. it's Karen. She wants to meet with him. Uh, well, where can we meet? The gardens, I guess. Yeah. Because that's where they end up going. Can I tell you about these gardens? Yeah, tell me all so, about them. So, the Japanese tea garden... Uh, in San Francisco, was created for the World's Fair in 1894. And after that, this guy named uh, Makoto Hagawara, my apologies uh, to anyone who actually knows how to pronounce that, basically was like, I am going to steward this and make it into a permanent thing in San Francisco. So anytime there was anything Japanese related, Hmm. like there was another fair in town, uh, in the 1900s, early 1900s, and he was like, oh, are you going to throw away those Japanese decorations and stuff? Well, I'll take them. <laughs> so he basically spent his whole life making this into an awesome, the largest Japanese garden in America. Nice. Uh, until World War II broke out, and his whole family was interned, and they destroyed Ooh. all the Shinto sh- shrines in it and everything, Yikes. and hired a bunch of Chinese ladies to uh, make it into a Chinese garden instead. <laughs> wild absolutely crazy yeah totally nuts but it lives on in his memory (laughs) they've got a big plaque dedicated to him so the two of them seem like they're not dating it's unclear when they broke up but there's definitely history between them it's weird she tells him about the tumor and how she's worried but the doctors say it's nothing Mm -hmm. but her woman's intuition tells her different there's a scene where they're on a streetcar. Yeah, they get to see all of the San Fran sites. Having, yeah, they get to see the Japanese garden, uh, streetcar, and the fish market. Yep, Those fish grotto. The best places in San Francisco. <laughs> so there's a scene where they're on the streetcar, and it's shot from the streetcar's perspective, so all the buildings in the background look like they're on like a 45-degree angle mm-hmm. as they go by. <laughs> kind of bizarro. I liked it. So anyways, yeah, they go to the fish market. There's so much filler in this movie that there it is, yeah. drives me up the wall I and mean, it was a long movie too i think it's an hour and 43 minutes so they totally could have trimmed some out they could have trimmed out 25 minutes they could have trimmed Easy. out any one of the million shots of the golden gate bridge that they show pretty much any time there's a scene change they show no exteriors other than the hospital and then the occasional shot of the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah, or like downtown San Francisco, the Bay Area Bridge. Like mm-hmm. it's, I don't know. Well, how else are you supposed to know it's in San Francisco? I guess. I don't know. Uh, so the two of them walk along in the fish grotto, reminiscing and confessing how they've missed each other. Mm-hmm. They go back to his place and we are, I guess, to assume that they have banged? Because he's wearing a bath towel. And she is wearing a new outfit that she presumably (laughs) pulled out of her ass. It's probably his or something. Yeah. (laughs) And he wants to give her a tarot reading. Mm -hmm. So he does. And it does not turn out too well. I don't remember all the cards, but there was the devil and the tower, which are not good cards generally. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then he's like, oh, can't have that. That was just a practice run. (laughs) I liked that. Me too. He reshuffles the cards, the deck, and then... She cuts them as well. Yeah. And then when he does it again, it's the exact same cards, which is mathematically impossible. Well, like statistically impossible. Yes. And I think that's the point, that it's a total freak thing. So it must be her true future, right? Definitely. And therefore, he completely ignores it. (laughs) That night, while they're sleeping in front of the fire, Harry... That was a thing that people did in the 70s in movies, I guess. It doesn't seem safe. It's like, I feel like it was probably a Playboy article or something. Mm. I don't know. It just reminds me of like the Burt Reynolds Playgirl (laughs) thing whenever they do that. It reminds me of when... Aren't you afraid you're going to catch on fire? Right? When we had the big ice storm in Ontario when I was a kid and my whole family slept in the living room in front of the fireplace because it was so goddamn cold because there's no power. Mm -hmm. Uh, My dad wouldn't let us sleep with the fire up. Because it was too dangerous. Yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, he, yeah, so he wakes up, he hears her chanting in her sleep, mm-hmm. saying the sandwich uh, and salad. 
or something. Something like that. No, it's Panna Witchy Salatu. Panna Witchy Salatu. Panna Witchy See, they couldn't say it. And then we definitely can't even say what they couldn't say. Hannah, witchy, salatu. It's a bit on the nose. If I was a parasitic demon <laughs> taking, trying to take control of a woman, I think I would probably try to go low pro, you know, until I was ready to pop out. <laughs> the next day at the hospital, Harry drops Karen off. And he asks her about what she was chanting. Mm-hmm. And she believes it's words of love. For some reason. I think she's just trying to be flippant. I like, guess so. Who cares what it is? I've <laughs> got to get this tumor cut out of my neck. And when the operation gets underway, she's totally out, mm-hmm. manually pumping air into her, as they had to do, I suppose. All machines in, I want to say before 1990, in a hospital, looked like something out of a sci-fi nightmare. <laughs> it reminded me so much of the scenes in The Exorcist when they were doing the test. Oh, it on does. Reagan. Yeah, for sure. That's a really good I comparison. I mean, but obviously a much worse version of it. And I but... think this movie is definitely riffing on oh, yeah. The Exorcist, for sure. Like I said, it's like if Lifetime tried to make an, The Exorcist. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really you said bad. that right after we watched the movie. Really bad. I think that's a good comparison. I like that's a perfect way of describing it. Because it's I think. so milk toast. Nothing. Of, I mean, we get to see bare bosoms, <laughs> but other than that, like nothing happens. Yeah, apparently, this is rated PG. I'm not sure how accurate IMDb is with that. Like, there's nudity. Mm-hmm. Is there swearing? I don't think there's swearing, but there's definitely deaths. Oh my Lots God. of blood. I don't think there is swearing. I don't think there is. Wow. Or if there is nothing like super stood out. Wow. What a toothless movie. <laughs> so the operation gets underway. They prep the growth, the tumor, the manitou mm-hmm. for the cut. And Dr. Hughes goes to make the incision. And as soon as he does, her eyes shoot open. And <sighs> he suddenly feels compelled to start cutting his own wrist. And there's beeping, lots of beeping from the machines. And once he starts cutting it, with that scalpel, she smiles and falls back under. Mm-hmm. And the music in this scene sounds an awful lot like Psycho. Yes. It's like the violins going... Ah. Eh, 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 eh. I think my favorite part of this scene is everyone just standing around watching the doctor mutilate himself. <laughs> they do that both times. Yep. Like when he gets bit by the demon later, neither John or Harry really tries to stop him at all. Yeah, they just sort just of let him do there. it. Just standing there. It's ridiculous. And he, like I said, he's a surgeon. He needs those hands. There's money makers. I know. I thought about that too when it was happening. I was like, oh no, his hands. And they don't mention it in the movie. <laughs> Ugh. Uh, he could probably just take a bunch of lewds and yeah, that's true. just like get over it. Yeah, apparently they give out medicine like candy at this <laughs> hospital. Harry's client, Mrs. Hertz, arrives yeah. at his apartment for her reading, and she's a super crickety old lady with bad arthritis that she complains about. Very melodramatic as well. Oh, yeah. He starts to do her reading and asks how she is, and she bursts into hysterical tears. Mm-hmm. But as soon as he... Sh- she totally stops. Weird. She doesn't want to be the Queen of Swords or the Queen of Cups, but she wants to be the Queen of Wands, which it conveys to us by just showing her nodding her head Mm -hmm. in approval and disapproval at the other ones. I don't think I would choose Wands. And then he starts giving her reading. For you personally, I see some. And he pulls the death card. Mm -hmm. And as soon as he does, she snaps back in the chair and starts screaming and convulsing. Yeah, she's having some sort of peyote trip. She stands up. I need it in a hurry. Send it right away. Despite her terrible arthritis, does a rain dance of some kind while chanting Panna Witchy Solitu. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he tries to stop her. He's on the phone with the police the whole time, which I assume is probably why they didn't suspect him. But that also never comes back up. They never have to deal with the police once in this movie. You know, that's true. That's weird. Other than when he's like on the phone to them. And she goes to like leave 
into the hallway. Mm -hmm. And she's floating down the hallway for no reason. Levitates. And no one else levitates. Throughout the whole movie. And then throws herself down some stairs while he runs in slow motion. Destroys the banisters. She super dies and he cradles her in his arms. As sirens approach in the distance. At the hospital, Karen doesn't seem to be doing super great. Yeah, there's a big fancy CRT monitor that just displays her name and patient information. (laughs) Great use of hospital funds. Harry arrives and talks to Jack, who has all of these intense computers behind him. It's the size of a roll-top desk. They were huge at that time, though, right? Especially in science fiction movies. Oh, definitely. He also has three phones. (laughs) One's on the computer. There's two on his desk. And then he has, like, a red Batman-style phone. For emergencies. (laughs) Because they need to come in on the red phone, or else they just don't have that emergency flavor. Harry tries to tell him about the chanting and his client who mm-hmm. killed herself while chanting the same thing. And Harry knows Karen's life is in danger and wants Jack to help him. But Jack tells him that they couldn't go through with the surgery. But then he neglects to mention that he was compelled to cut himself. And he's somehow still extremely skeptical of this, mm-hmm. despite being influenced himself and having all of these puzzle pieces that obviously go together. Like he said it himself, the growth of the thing is a medical impossibility, and he wrote the book on it, so he would know. And it appears to be a fetus and not a tumor. Ah, uh, my favorite part of this scene. Would you like a drink? Here, let me, I'm a doctor working at work. Let me pour both of us giant glasses of whiskey. That was commonplace back then, though, right? Yikes. <laughs> Yikes, yikes, yikes. So much has changed in a relatively even, short amount of time. I feel like eh? that was still even in vogue in the 80s. Like, that happens in 80s movies all the time. I mean, don't get me and wrong. like cocaine. I would love to live in a world where I could drink at work, but it's not going to happen. Definitely. And in, today, for it. in today's world, it probably doesn't happen as openly. I'm sure it still mm-hmm. happens for sure, but it was so common back then. I mean, it's in pretty much any movie where there's a hospital they're like Mm -hmm. smoking openly or drinking all sorts of stuff so just a sign of the time i think i also love how the doctor's like listen you're not family and you're not married to her but i'm going to tell you everything about our (laughs) medical case harry thinks it's black magic at work Mm -hmm. and somebody or something is transmitting signals to karen and causing the condition dominating her mind so they decide to ask karen and they go into her room Mm -hmm. Dr. Hughes says she's super weak, and despite this, uh, she also says she feels super weak when she wakes up. And then Harry immediately asks her what Hannah Witchy... Karen, I want to ask you something. Do you remember um, Hannah Witchy Salatou? into a trance and starts screaming while grasping her neck normal totally normal and there's a lot of weird i mentioned this earlier weird transition shots in this movie where it shows some sort of san fran cityscape that doesn't have anything to do with anything that's happening as like a transition between scenes yeah it's like the editor doesn't really know how to do his job no offense from here he goes he being harry Mm -hmm. goes to visit some friends Uh, MacArthur and Amelia and Amelia has some pretty intense brown face because it like we said before I think she's supposed to be a Roma well you know they own and operate your average uh, nautical themed decorating store (laughs) it's bizarre filled with old nets and all sorts of garbage well if the witch who came from the sea is to be believed that was very popular then too apparently I guess He wants Amelia to help him help Karen because she's the one that trained him. Mm -hmm. Uh, But she promised MacArthur that she would stop doing the stuff for him. Yeah, but he just comes upstairs and is like, it's okay. I give you permission (laughs) to use your magic powers. And they have to do a seance at the place where she lives. Just Karen's aunt's house. That night they go there and it's the four of them plus... uh, like, including yeah. the aunt, who is wearing a mask of makeup. She looks like a southern mom. And she talks like it, too. Yeah. 
Or, well, she talks with a British accent, but a weird British accent. I don't know. It's great. You know, the San Francisco Brits. They gather around a table she has, join hands. Douse the lights. And Amelia starts the seance. Now, let us concentrate. Concentrate our minds on the spirits who occupy this room. Think of them. Think of their souls wandering through the ether. Try and imagine them as they float around us on their spiritual errands. I am calling on any spirit who can help us. I am calling on any spirit who can guide us. Call him. Estradim, Icona, Purista, Venora, Venora, Optu, Luminare, Spirita, Halestem, Venora, Suim, Kalim. Estradim, Icona, Purista, Penora. Are you here? I can see your signs. Are you here? Talk. Speak. Tell us who you are. She's like spirits about going about their errands. Okay, when I'm dead, if I have to do more errands, I am going to be mad. I'm looking forward to that time as resting time, not errand time. Anyways, the lights suddenly turn green and ominous. Mm-hmm. The ant goes into a trance, and a head slowly starts rising from the middle of the table. The only good effect in the entire movie. It's all black with just weird green eyes. Mm-hmm. It talks through the ant, just repeating the same thing as before. And then the windows smash open and a hurricane wind blows into the house. And there's lightning and the table explodes. explodes. It's a million pieces. They're all getting fucked up until they turn the light on and then it stops immediately. Phew. And Mac immediately. We're not doing that again, <laughs> lady who I'm in charge of, apparently. Amelia confirms what Harry thought, black that it was black magic. magic. And uh, Harry realizes that the face looked familiar that came out of the table. Mm -hmm. And the aunt says it reminded her of a wooden first person outside of those old-timey saloons. So Harry deduces that it is a medicine man. Mm -hmm. Great. Wonderful. (laughs) They're so good at this, somehow. They go back to his apartment and MacArthur is the one who ends up finding the info about the Manitous mm-hmm. in a book that, you know, I guess they have. You just got him. And he reads all of that out. Listen to this. Medicine men were often powerful magicians who were said to be capable of extraordinary supernatural acts. They were believed to be immortal, and if threatened, their Manitou, or immortal spirit, could be reborn at any time or place in the future or past, by impregnating themselves in the body of a man, woman, or animal. Is that all it says? Yeah, from there it goes into rain dances. That means Karen is about to give birth. They decide that they're going to see Ernest Snow, the author of the book. And there's another Golden Gate Bridge yeah, they're shot. They're Sausalito. We learn that Karen's tumor is doubled in size. And then they get to the doctor's house and... It suddenly becomes a comedy. A very bad comedy. 
That's he, not funny. The doctor, played by Burgess Meredith, legendary actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, they all introduce themselves and come in and sit down, and then he tells them, okay, you can sit down. Good gag. Yeah, it's and great. They say thank you. Uh, and he's he just sort of lets them in. Presumably, they've already told them why they're coming. And he's like, and the doctor. Well, he seems to be him. pretty forgetful. That's true. The and doctor already called him, and he's like, "Oh, well, what you need is a psychologist. There's a good one three doors down. Instead, you don't need me. I don't believe in any of that hooey." He ends up telling them about the legend of a medicine man being reborn mm-hmm. in 1851 when a girl got a growth on her arm and it grew until the medicine man came out and she died. And he's yeah. reluctant to help but agrees to bring them into the attic. He warns them it's a little bit dusty. Which? It's filled with cobwebs. A mil- the thickest, cobbiest webs I've ever seen. Uh, and he also says at one point, you know, the medical doctor doesn't agree that it's a possession of an ancient spirit. <laughs> well, no shit he doesn't. He's a medical doctor. And then as soon as they get into the attic, suddenly he's acting like he believes them 100%. Well, that's why I think he's weird. Like he probably has suffered from dementia or something like that, you know, because he seems super forgetful. He and... does. So I think it's like an intentional thing that's supposed to be comedic where he forgets and then suddenly they ask the right question and he remembers because they ask him about the words and initially he's like, no. And then he immediately is like, oh. Panna, witchy celebrity. Panna, witchy celebrity. Salad. Oh, that could mean... Something like, oh, uh, my death foretells my return. And he tells him it was likely from a Native American tribe who went extinct before the white man ever arrived. Um, he's suddenly excited at the prospect of meeting a medicine man from mm-hmm. that time and doesn't think they should destroy him, but then suggests that they fight fire with fire and get his get their own medicine man to do battle. From South Dakota, because apparently that's where they all live. All of them. (laughs) Also, how would he be able to translate this if they died 400 years before? Because he's an anthropologist. (sighs) It's very... It makes me angry. Anyways. Harry brings a suggestion to Dr. Hughes about bringing in a medicine man, and he is not down for that at all. There'll be no medicine men in my hospital, which I thought was kind of ironic. And then he tells Harry that they're doing an experimental laser surgery on Karen. Mm -hmm. And and they're doing it right now. He gets a call, and they run down to the screaming hospital staff, and the laser is going crazy. It's like Star Wars. Shooting explosive beams everywhere while Karen stands on the corner. They go into the room, and Karen tells them, He says, you must not touch him. Karen, we want to help you. Please. You must not touch him! If we don't care for you, he won't survive. (laughs) He does not believe you. We only want to help him. Oh, oh, he is in pain. In pain? Please. Why is he in pain? It hurts him. He is hurt. What hurts? What hurt him? It was the light. The light? What light? He will kill you So they get the better of her and sedate her. And for the first time in a while, we see the lump. And it is giant and pulsating. It looks great. Uh, Back, I don't know where they are, but they're talking about, well, we blasted enough x-rays through that lump to see through Fort Knox. Sounds dangerous. (laughs) And uh, maybe that's the light because x-rays can, like if you're a really small cell, you're going to grow into a big guy. It can fuck up those small cells, which lead to big fuck ups down the line. I don't know. Which presumably is why when he finally comes out, he's so small. I would assume so. Actually, that makes a lot of sense. Take that. (laughs) So Harry goes off to somewhere to meet John Singing Rock, Mm -hmm. who is brown face number two. 
this is his fifth medicine man that he's tried and he's hoping for the best and he doesn't really like john's like why would i help you Mm. like all of this land used to belong to my family which doesn't sound like a very authentic thing to say and and then now it's belongs to the state and grr, i'm not gonna help you tells him about herbs being able to predict the future mm-hmm. uh tells harry about the gitchy manitou and how this thing in karen is the fourth incarnation of whatever it is mm-hmm. and they just keep getting progressively more powerful mr erskine have you ever heard of gitchy manitou no well gitchy manitou is a great spirit among indians a bit like your Jesus or Jehovah. Bad weeds this year. So? Well, what you're dealing with is the Manitou, or spirit, of a great medicine man, possibly in his fourth or fifth reincarnation. Is that bad? For you, yes. Each time a Manitou lives, he gains in strength. By the eighth reincarnation, he can join Gitchi Manitou as a permanent spirit. Until then, the more lives lived, the more powerful. Five lives. And their only chance is to send him back from whence he came. And the best chance for that is to call on other spirits. Uh Uh-oh. And like you said, John does not want to help him initially because of the white man. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he decides he does want to. I'm not sure why, but he does have a change of heart. Mm-hmm. He's and like, you have to donate $100,000 to the Indian, Indian Education, Education Foundation and give, give me some tobacco. tobacco. And I looked this up. $100,000 in 1978 dollars interesting. is worth $390,000 in 2019 dollars. So wow. that's quite a lot of money. But I mean, probably less than what Karen would have to pay an American hospital to get that lump removed. And so selfless, which mm-hmm. is nice. The three men, Jack, John, and uh, Harry, go to see Karen and they see the gigantic lump now. And they have until tomorrow at the latest. And John... <laughs> Has a line where he says... I'm just a South Dakota Indian with a bag of tricks. All right. Uh, The first trick he does is, quote, draw a circle of sand around. And it's not even a circle. It's a noodly half circle. It's like a basketball court sort of line. This guy's supposed to be all powerful. Like, he could easily probably bust through the wall if he really wanted to. Exactly. Then he starts doing his stuff... uh, Geechee Manitou, hear me, hear me and protect me. And then Karen's eyes open. John, look. Who are you? Where do you come from? I am mightier than you. Your medicine of no consequence. What is your name? Leave the white's little brother from the plains. Do not help them or die. Now, this really upsets John, Mm -hmm. I guess because Miska Marcus is a super powerful dude. Who everybody knows about. And he wants revenge, baby. Yeah, he's like, why would you help them? I'm going to get you for helping these people, (laughs) you jerk. And I'm way stronger than you also. That night, Harry is pacing the hospital. Karen is sleeping, and she's pretty much 50% tumor at this point. Yeah, it's like a hockey bag strapped to her back. Harry asks the nurse for something to help with the tension, and she readily gives him an Alka-Seltzer, and they don't fizz. Yeah, so you know something's up. And the first, when she, when he asked her that, I was like, oh, that's a joke. And then when she actually reached into the thing to give him something, I was like, is she going to fucking give <laughs> that him That was just quaalude? Alka-Seltzer. I so don't know. So weird. What a weird throwaway gag. He's walking back to the room when the blooded face of an orderly smashes through the window ah. of Karen's room. 
He calls John and they go into the room and the guy has been stripped of his skin on his back, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, John does some more stick tapping and starts invoking the spirits of all sorts of stuff, the mountains and rivers. Mm -hmm. And Miska Marcus is finally free and starts to break through the skin on Karen's back very slowly. Yeah. The music here is very similar to Star Trek. Oh, good. And, like, I think it might be the exact same track. This is brown face number three and four because mm-hmm. two play people play Miska Marcus and neither of them is Native American. I mean, you got to have two different people doing it. He slithers around on the ground like and weird baby then snake. he opens his eyes. He's got some sort of heterochromic mm-hmm. black eye, white eye situation going Ooh. on. He is subdued by John for now via his magic. Because he can't get out of this half circle. Karen can also apparently still be saved. And I think they're really going back and forth here about if it would kill her or not. Because it seems to be really inconsistent. Because they're like, oh, once he breaks through, she's going to die. Definitely. Maybe it's because he has such small arms and legs, comparatively speaking, to regular manifestations. But I don't know. One of the doctors is like, I've had enough. I'm calling the police. Yeah, I think it's Jack. He's a real jackass for no reason. It makes no sense. Either. What are they going to do? Like, shoot him? Arrest him? And they constantly write the police off as just being like, what are they going to do? Mm-hmm. And in this particular case, I guess John does explain to him, mm-hmm. like, everything has a Manitou, which is why they can't call the police, because Miska Marcus could turn the Manitous of their weapons against them like he did with the knife to the doctor. Ah, scary stuff. And it's a very lucky thing because Karen is the only patient on the floor. Yeah, very convenient. Saves a lot of paperwork, I bet. Jack pontificates about computers and humanity, blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah. And then uh, John's like, there's going to be total devastation if he gets out. Meanwhile, there's this orderly watching Karen. He's asleep. Which, there's a supernatural entity and the corpse of one of your coworkers right there. Yeah, like anybody, anybody could even fucking sleep through this. It's ridiculous. The smell of the corpse, the skinned corpse alone would probably be enough to just be like, oh no, we need to like seal, <laughs> seal this off in some way. Plus like her fluid-filled abscess that is drained all over the floor. I guess. I'm sure it smells great fantastic they there's also this running i don't know if it's a running gag but every time they walk by the charge nurse she gets up and someone's like it's okay sit down just sit down stay where you are (laughs) do you think maybe it's just like hinting at the fact that she's gonna be frozen in that seat forever maybe but i feel bad for her because she was nice yeah and now she's dead. So Miska Marcus gets the body of the skin dude to rise, and it walks over to the sleepy dude, who wakes up just in time to avoid being strangled. Mm-hmm. And there's train sounds. The the dead guy's making train noises. <laughs> John comes in and fends him off with mm-hmm. his magic. Uh, Karen's back skin looks really rough at this point. Yeah. It looks like a shower curtain. Bad sunburn. <laughs> and... Miska Marcus uses Karen to tell John that he has defied and hurt him and he'll uh, destroy him. Uh, the doctor, but he's nowhere even near Karen. That's impossible. Yes, that's what's impossible. <laughs> you st- Fucking Jesus Christ, this movie is so frustrating. Miska Marcus starts chanting, and he breaks the circle while laughing all evil-like. And he looks pretty melty. Like, he's, like, wet. Yeah, he looks badly bloody, I guess. Also, I he doesn't know. really break the circle because there's still fucking dust on the ground. That's true. Right? It's, yeah. There's like, he cleans off really shitty. Like, he just sort of shoves shoves half of it aside. They send the sleepy guy to go get a flashlight? Yeah, normal. It's been reliable so far. And Miska Marcus summons an ancient demon. Um, what ancient demon? Even John, he just says, I don't know which one. An ancient one. It's some mm-hmm. lizard, though, or well, it's a man in a lizard yeah, costume. Yeah, <laughs> very obvious guy in a lizard costume. Mm-hmm. Also, just 
like a 50s style overlay. Mm -hmm. It compels the doctor to reach his hand out and then he bites him. Just on his hand. This is the extent of the power so far. I'll fucking bite you, man. I'm going to come over there. I'm going to bite your hand. And the two guys standing right beside you who could easily stop this from yeah, happening. Yeah, they don't even do try. Nothing. Nothing. Arr! Harry takes the doctor and they go upstairs. They leave John there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, probably not a great choice it's considering everything choice. that's happening. I don't really know. They got to get that flashlight. There's only one in the entire hospital. They bring Jack to his office and uh, they start fighting with Harry who grabs a flashlight and goes downstairs. They don't treat his hand either. They put a towel yeah. on it and then Despite he Despite them all being doctors. Sits on a couch. In a hospital. And he just sits there with a towel on his hand, uh, half like in shock. And Do you yeah. think they even give him a tetanus shot? I don't know if men in alligator costumes carry tetanus, <laughs> so... Maybe they do. I would, just to be safe. When Harry gets back to the floor, mm-hmm. he finds that it has totally frozen. Yeah, it's turned into the set of the Dark Crystal. Even uh, the floor nurse is frozen solid, mm-hmm. and Harry's nips are also cold. So oh. He's saying hello. Yikes. <laughs> it's really awkward. He runs to find John, who has been injured, and that's when, uh, well, I guess John says it's because Miss Marcus threw a thing of surgical instruments at his face, which was totally off screen. And given the special effects extravaganza that's coming up, mm-hmm. I'm not sure why they couldn't show it. Oh, because that'd be giving too much away. I guess. I mean, can you imagine how scary it would be to see a box of surgical imp- implements be lazily <laughs> thrown at this guy's face, causing only cosmetic damage? Terrifying. Uh, they go out onto the floor mm-hmm. and they find out well, John t- mm-hmm. says that it was the star beast, spirit of the north wind, who froze the floor. And suddenly the wall explodes, and the frozen nurse's head goes flying. It's Mr. Marcus. They even give a nice close-up. Yeah, I feel bad for her again. Yeah. Snow starts blowing in, and there's more explosions. John or Harry throws a typewriter, typewriter. at Miska Marcus, and it blows up, and he disappears. Which is in, not explained at all. No, why. they do explain it. It was the Manitou of the typewriter, the typewriter, because he wasn't prepared ah, for it. Okay, <laughs> which I think is why they end up using the computers later, because the thought process is like. Yikes. He lived in a time before the white man, before a computer, so he can't call on those Manitous. Because he doesn't know what they're doing. He doesn't know them are. well enough yet Ugh. or something. I don't know. Ugh. That's my opinion. <laughs> uh, yeah. John and Harry go up to see Jack and the other doctor, mm-hmm. McAvoy. John is pretty defeated at this point. Mm-hmm. He thinks that they should just call the cops because he's called every spirit yeah, he knows. To arrest the guy. Uh, and then John's like, I'm going to call the head Manitou yeah, myself. I'm going to call Manitou. him collect. And he's going to have to deal with me, someone who has no idea what he's doing in the face of forces that could easily <laughs> crush him like a bug. And then the whole office starts shaking. Yeah, it's like rolling like the ocean. I've never seen that before in a movie where like literally the inside of a house is like going up and down. It's like a bouncy castle or like made of jello i'm all for it i love this shit give me a, a cruise ship in rough seas any day of the week john says it's happening because miska marcus is calling the great old one also known as lucifer which again weird, <laughs> weird and this is when harry name. realizes that they can call the manitous of the computers and machines uh because I guess he would be unprepared for it. And thankfully, the controls for everything within blinking LED light in this entire hospital are in the same office that they're in right now. So convenient. And they only need five minutes. They all agree. They give John five minutes, or John and Harry five minutes. Synchronize their watches. John and Harry go together. The docs stick with their kind. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jack says to clear the control and the power rooms and evacuate the floor. And then John and Harry talk about how this big bad is the great devourer. And John gives, I actually really like this part. This is probably my favorite Mm -hmm. scene in the whole movie. 
John gives Harry a, a bag for protection. Here, wear this. What's this for? Protection. Oh, I thought it was seasoning. Go ahead. Because the devil's going to eat them. <laughs> he wants them to be tasty first. That makes sense. Back in Healthcare on Ice, uh, they see a red ball of energy poorly make its way out of Karen's <laughs> room. Uh oh, what's going on here? Uh, and when they get to Karen's room, it has turned into outer space. She is on the bed, which is floating in outer space. Mr. Marcus is standing on the floor, just being his usual bad yeah. self. John says it was just an illusion, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And five minutes is up. Jack turns all the machines on, and John tries to call the machines to kill Miska Marcus. Uh, they start lighting up. And so does the the spirit that Miska Marcus is calling. Mm -hmm. Looks like a big nebula. All the computers start smoking and then sparking. And then the doctor gets blown up. Yeah, the big computer explodes. explodes. Uh, There's also a scene where he turns a dial all the way to the max. So you're you're assured that they're getting maximum power. Unfortunately, the Manitous aren't Mm. strong enough. And John can't control them because it's white man stuff. Oh, shit. So Harry's like, you know what? I'm going to give Mr. Marcus a talking to myself. And he goes up there and gives him a what for. All right, Miss Marcus, I've had enough of this. Who do you think you are? We're not going to scream anymore at each other. Miss Marcus, you listen. Harry, it won't help. It won't do any good. It will help, damn it. It has to. Uh, but eventually... The machines, basically the central nervous system of the hospital, are like, oh, we can just uh, work through Karen for some reason. Focus their power through Karen, who needs to be topless for some reason. Definitely. She starts shooting lasers from her hands. She's Explosions. The special effects here are wild. They're really bad. When he starts throwing those rocks. Yeah, he got meteors flying right at us. Like really bad 3D movie (laughs) effects. Uh, it's Karen, quite the fucking spectacle. Karen's having the time of her life. She's loving being the puppet of these machines. She's <laughs> smiling and like shooting lasers. Zip, zip, zip. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> More blue and pink balls are getting shot at her. Uh, we also get a zoom into her eye and we see the machine. Yeah, inside. I loved that. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> Why couldn't she should have been like, we don't know what she does for a living. She should have been a computer programmer or something. And then it would have been like, Oh, she's one of us, and that's why the machines... Yeah, that would have made more sense. Whatever. But a lady computer programmer in 1977? (laughs) Don't make me laugh. There's a lot of swirly-whirly colors. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's truly just a... He threw everything he could at this. It's a big steaming mess, much like the remainder of Mr. Marcus that's lying on the floor (laughs) when all of this is done. Yeah. Miska Marcus gets blown up. Everything goes back to normal. Mm -hmm bloody disaster ridden normal and all of these fucking deaths just to save one person yeah ultimately well i guess at the end it was to save all of humanity from the great devourer that's true and mr marcus because you destroy a bunch of shit do you keep calling him mr marcus yeah i like it (laughs) i prefer it because obviously they made this name up anyways and the whole thing is just a whitewashing settler mad libs of like native american yeah Uh, and to really drive that home, uh, America, good old fashioned American technology and ingenuity defeats Satan. You know, we did it. Yep. Karen's fine. She is. She's fine. She wakes up. She and Harry hug. The nightmare's over. Uh, they throw in another Golden Gate Bridge shot Mm -hmm. or something. And then we get to see the end of Harry and John's friendship. Yeah. He's wearing. They'll get to see each other again someday. There's a sequel. Well, <laughs> it's because Miska Marcus's body is dead, but the Manitou lives on. Ah, Harry's wearing yet another leather jacket. He has a million of these things in this movie. <laughs> uh, and then he says, hey, John, I got you your tobacco. <laughs> oh, call back to earlier. Hilarious. They shake hands. Mm-hmm. They're friends now. Everything's all cute. Mm-hmm. And he rides off into the cityscape. And then we get a title card. Very weird title card. Fact. Japan, 1969. A young boy. 15-year-old boy. Oh, yeah. Big-ass growth on him. 
et cetera, et cetera, and eventually it turned out to be a human fetus. Did you yeah. look this up at all and see if this was true? Well, I know um, from watching those medical mystery shows that uh, people can grow things called teratomas, uh, which are like sort of benign cysts or tumors that have teeth in them and hair and yeah, that's what I assumed it probably was. But it also could be a parasitic twin. Uh, we're looking it up right now, but I don't know. I've never heard of this specific fifteen-year-old. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not really finding anything other than just references to the quote from this Yikes. movie <laughs> so Yikes. i don't know uh, yeah i'm not sure they didn't give a citation at the end either so who knows mm-hmm. who knows and that's the fucking manitou man yeah karen is barely a character in this at all no no she's not and they throw so many characters in at the beginning and then totally just abandon them. Like Amelia MacArthur, we had gotten no information about what happens to them. Well, they have to stay in mind pure one, I guess. Uh So they can't take part in any of this. And I guess Mac was like, had enough of you using your natural talents that you've (laughs) developed over years. You got to stop this. I don't think I even like this movie. I think it has merit because it's such a wacky spectacle. Yeah, yeah. For a two-hour-long, it more than two hours. Uh, an hour Which, and forty-two yeah, minutes. It's it went by quickly for me. Did it? I mean, I it was found too long. There were some parts that really dragged for me. I for like my own reference, I usually write about two pages worth of notes, and I have done two and a little bit of one page. Okay. And on some of the shorter movies that we've done, I have done like three or four pages because it was so convoluted and complex. <laughs> I know. I don't know. Um, Maybe it's just because it was so slow and they just stretched it out. Yeah, it's a know. weird movie. And the director, William Gertler, so he wrote and directed this movie. Mm-hmm. But he didn't even get to see it premiere because he died before. He was like 30. I bet his Manitou got to see it. He died in a a helicopter crash in Thailand, I think. Well, location scouting. Ouch. Yeah, that would have sucked. I don't want to get in a helicopter. They seem dangerous. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I don't really have very many thoughts about this movie because... There's not much to think about. Yeah, me neither. I don't know. Would you recommend this movie to people? Like, would you suggest people see it? I think so. It's a it's a testament to hopefully how far we've come. Yeah. In movies, in special effects, scripts, <laughs> all that stuff. I don't uh, know. I can't imagine what the book must be like, but I have no inspiration to read it at all what i know so at uh, six degrees of jamie lee mm-hmm. for this guy we've got tony curtis her father was in at uh, naked in new york with lisa gay hamilton who is in halloween h2o with jamie lee curtis ah, that's amazing i know so that is our 50th at uh, jamie lee curtis connection wow we've, been able to do it every single time that's good i'm glad uh can you imagine if we couldn't do it every single time <laughs> it would be embarrassing from miss curtis well that was the point of the experiment right like when we first started doing it but i mean it makes sense that you can connect it back so easily it does i don't know weird so bringing it back to our one year anniversary 50th episode i think we should look back on some of the moments that have Shaped our past year, bud. Oh, is it going to be a clip show? What do we have? A time I got my head stuck in an ice cooler. What a wild bat mitzvah that was. Mm -hmm. We have talked about a lot of movies, had a lot of wacky deaths that have brought us here. A lot of dogs in movies. Can't forget our OG. Oh, yeah. Tiger from the Boogans. One of the most rascally dogs who caused so much trouble and I think died in that movie. Yeah, he remember the vent? It comes up and gets him. Yeah. Then there's Princess mm-hmm. from Crocodile. And she was the true hero yeah, of that movie. She was. She really was. She mm-hmm. was out there doing it on her own, <laughs> staying alive while everyone else is getting eaten. 
what a wild movie that yeah, one was too. That's really was. another weird one. We've done so many strange ones. I don't know. I love it. They're my favorite ones to do. <laughs> it's been an interesting ride for sure. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a favorite death from any of the movies that we've seen? Oh man. I mean, favorite the death. exploding doctor from the computer was pretty crazy. I do you mean, think did, he died, or do you think he was like, "Ugh, I'm getting out of the way." No, he definitely exploded. Oh, like nice. it showed him actually exploding. I guess uh, Mr. Marcus got his revenge on him after all <laughs> by exploding him. I'm trying to think of interesting deaths. I don't know. We've had some good chase scenes that we've talked yeah. about. Like we've had Helen in. I know what you did last summer. Fantastic chase scene. Lori in Halloween. Mm-hmm. How many, Greg? Cut it out. This isn't funny anymore. Oh, so many of those. Oh, so good. Ton of driving to the place sequences. But how did they get there, though? (laughs) We'll never know if we don't see them drive. We had our shot on video special, Mm -hmm. which was great. Our Our three terrible movies. Yeah. Hostile was probably the worst movie I've ever seen. Still stand by that. Um, Our our musical spectacular. Battle Royale. Which I really enjoyed. With New Year's Evil taking first place. Yeah, man. It's the best song. Mall Santa Massacre. <laughs> our first mostly improvised D&D style horror movie. Yeah, it was intense. We'll be doing another one of those soon, I think. So that's good. Yeah, I don't know. It's been a wild year. Very weird. And thank you so much for coming along on this journey with me, yeah. bud. 50 hours, more or less podcast yeah. or in total that's a long time well definitely more than that because very few of them are shorter than an hour yeah if any most of them are like an hour and 15 is probably what yeah. i would say so like average slightly more than like two days yeah wow plus all the time we goes into you editing them <laughs> us watching the movie making the posters mm-hmm. yeah and thank you guys for listening if you've listen to all of them or they're the best yeah we really appreciate it and we're gonna keep keep on keeping on mm-hmm. so we will see you next week i guess for episode 51 we're not sure what movie we're gonna do we have a couple options yeah that we're trying to decide between you've plumbed the depths and found some real real <laughs> winners that i'm excited to watch oh actually you know what i'm pretty sure we're going to be doing the dead next door oh, next week ooh, you have showed me a yeah, couple of so clips that's exciting and i cannot wait those zombies look excellent and there are so many of them there are so make sure you come back next week for that and goodbye yeah perfect timing because it sounds like the fire alarm upstairs has started going off <laughs> Uh, our social media, definitely First Blood on Oh, yeah. I almost forgot. Sorry. Twitter? No, no. Definitely First Blood on Instagram. You'd think after 50 episodes. I know, uh, but that's just my natural <laughs> charm. Definitely First Blood on Instagram. Def First Blood on Twitter. You can email us, definitelyfirstblood at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Now I can say goodbye. Bye. Bye. See you later. Bye. Bye.